What's the elf? What is it saying? This is a family show. Welcome, PokePals, to episode four of Aos Airwaves, a Pokemon Unite podcast. My name is Ian, and game I go by Dead Broke Nerd, and with me is my best friend and bot lane bro, Gibbles and Bits. Gibby, how are you doing today, my dude? What's up, what's up, what's up? Happy to be here, happy to be playing some Unite and, and recording back with you, man. It's been a little bit since we uh, we had our last episode. Yeah, unfortunately, the two of us got uh, loaded down with a ton of traveling. Uh, there was vacations, there were weddings to attend, all sorts of craziness, and uh, the two of us have not been at our desks at the same time in uh, in weeks, it feels like. Uh, so we are finally able to uh, jump back in uh, the studio get some Pokemon Unite discussion going, and there's a, there's a lot to cover. Um, well, really, there's one big thing to cover, and what's crazy is we're not actually planning to go too in-depth with it. Um, but new Pokemon, Espeon. Espeon has been out for almost two weeks now, I think. Um, Just about, maybe about a week and a half. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Espeon has... I think come out to somewhat mixed reviews. There's some staunch supporters uh, of Espeon. I don't think it's fallen completely flat like some Pokemon we've seen in the past. There's definitely redeeming qualities. But um, here's the interesting thing. I mean, I don't know about you. I still don't have Espeon unlocked. I do not either. And I'm while I'm very excited to, to have Espeon unlocked, I do not... Um, just as of yet, I mean, it's usually, th- I think somebody else within our, within our team mentioned it takes about six or seven days to unlock. And that's if you're playing a decent amount of games, you're getting the weekly challenges, um, completed and you're logging in every day in order to kind of get to that 2000, um, SP on point special event, uh, mark in order to unlock her for free. Otherwise you can unlock using your money and using, using the gems that you've accrued. Using uh, cold, hard cash. Using cold, hard in-game currency yeah gems or something aos aos monies yeah I, I so so there is some community discussion around this on one hand it's cool when you can get a pokemon for free on the other hand it does feel like this is their um plausible deniability play of well we want all the impatient people to spend actual money but then we can, when somebody calls us out on it, we can say, but it's free, guys. What are you complaining about? Uh, which, I mean, I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put words in their mouth necessarily. But at least that's how it's being sort of uh, viewed by a lot of people. And and the reality is, you know, I'm not going to spend 500 gems or whatever on a, uh, on a Pokemon. No. Especially when I'm going to unlock it in however many days it takes to uh, uh, to unlock. I just haven't had the time to log in every single day just because of how crazy things have been. So that's why I haven't gotten it unlocked yet. But the thing, too, is that, like, so it's not going to work on me. If I know I'm going to be able to get it free eventually, I'm not going to spend the 500 gems, especially not for a ranged attacker, which I'll probably never play in our competitive comps. <laughs> you know, uh, I... I'm okay with the fact that the way they structured it, I mean, because I will get it eventually because I am in the game and it rewards you being a consistent player. And that's fine. And I don't think that's anything to, um, and maybe just because I'm going to unlock it, I feel less attacked by the way that they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're releasing, they're releasing Espeon. 
But it, I view it similar to the release of uh, Hoopa, where there was that that limited time event where you could unlock Hoopa by baking all them donuts for for a certain mm-hmm. amount of time. But <laughs> like, if you joined the game now, you would have to pay for Hoopa. So they would look back and be like, "Oh, we gave you Hoopa for free." Well, not if you joined the game now, because the Espeon event's not going to be up forever. So it's a matter of did you join the game when Espeon's event was there to get it for free? Otherwise, you will have to pay for it, and it's really not a free champ. Uh, yeah. for a free mod by any point. Do you do you think they're going to, once the event is up, do you think they're going to add like a 10,000 coins price to it? Uh, ooh, that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, did they do that for Hoopa? Do you know? I think they did, because I think you can get Hoopa for like 10k coins now. But uh, you could before, if I remember correctly last time, you actually, that if, if I remember correctly, you could not unlock Hoopa at all. At all early, you had to go through the donut making. Uh, you had to get your Krispy Kreme on, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> the hot and ready sign had to be on. Hot and ready had to be blinking. Yeah, and uh, I, but but this is the weird situation where like if you pay money, you get it early access. And maybe which... this is the evolution of them not making Hoopa available at all. They were like, well, why not just make her available to be purchased otherwise until the event? And and uh, it's you've it's just fine. got a lot of people like me with a lot of coins. Uh, I don't buy cosmetics when they have these dumb events. Like, I say dumb event. Wow, I sound so negative. I, I just don't care about cosmetics outside of Pokemon skins. Like, I don't care about my little trainer card. I don't care about the stickers. I don't care about any of that stuff. I only like the skins. And so once I get the skin from a collection event, I'll turn all of those flower petals or music notes or whatever into coins so that I can unlock whatever the next Pokemon are going to be. So I'm sitting here with, you know, 20,000 plus uh coins and i'm saying hey i i don't i would i would drop 10,000 coins to unlock it on day 1 i you know i wish i could do that and i well i don't know if i would have done it specifically for espion but if there was a new supporter or defender i absolutely would have cuz that's the roles that i find the most enjoyable so you know i i i don't think it's the end of the world and and you know compared to some of the like more exploitative practices they had at the beginning of the game with like the how hard it was to upgrade your held items and things like that you know i'm not sweating it Uh, it's just worth noting that the community does seem to be a little bit peeved about that aspect but then there's espion and espion is kind of an an odd duck when it comes to its performance so far Mm -hmm. in uh in unite and you know i got to play I've played against it a fair amount. I've watched a lot of gameplay, and I actually played some games uh, last night in our team practice, um, which ended up because we had uh, you know a couple people you know weren't able to make. We ended up not being able to pull a five stack together, and so we just played like in ranked uh, trios. And I played in lane with Espeon, and it was really fascinating because like there's some elements of Espeon that feel great. And then some elements of Espeon that feel very mediocre. And it's like Espeon, it feels just – it's like it comes out balanced, like below balanced. You know what I mean? Like slightly Mm. below balanced. Uh, And I don't know. What is your take on this? I know that you know while you haven't gotten to play it yourself yet, I know how much you watch a lot of uh, other content and have played against it a bunch I'm sure as well. Mm -hmm. What's your read on that? Like where does Espeon kind of fit? in the meta or yeah. just or just in a in a team well i've 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 thought a lot about this and, and I've, I've listened to, to several different 
different viewpoints of commentary as well from predominant members within the community uh, within the, that play Pokemon Unite professionally or um, at least consistently casually. And my, my opinion of Espeon is it's better, and I agree that it's it's with the overwhelming opinion that it's better in five stacks and within team comps than it is solo queue. I mean, it requires, it's very, it's very um, fragile. Espeon does not have a very big health pool and therefore it can be burned if it doesn't have coordinated play to go in attacks with, to move with within a lane. I mean, I don't think Espeon is being played in jungle from what I've seen. It seems like more of a, of a laner because it evolves at four. It might be doing some of the split jungle stuff. I mean, it's another evolution of Eevee, and we've seen the the split jungle push um, with basically taking taking one taking your jungler, taking Espeon or Sylveon for that matter, and kind of splitting all of the initial jungle farm to get Espeon to four, where she then has a little bit of a of a stat spike and gets her her uh, evolution and then gains her first ability. Having that in lane early is very effective. So I don't think, but she's not being run jungle solo. I, I just think solo queue with, with Espeon is difficult because she does do some decent damage early. I think Psy Shock is an awesome ability. Um, I think the Swift version of... The, so the, the the starting two moves being Swift and, and Growl, I think Swift is better on Espeon than it is on um, uh, Sylveon. So that there's there's an advantage there. But your first move that you get at four, if you can attain that quickly, is Psy Shock. And Psy Shock for an early game ability does quite a bit of damage. Like it chunks people if you can hit it. It is a bit of a skill shot, but if you can hit it, it is is pretty good. I think stored power has been a little underwhelming. It just hasn't felt like the, um, the buildup of all the charges and then blowing them has been effective enough just because if you blow them, then you don't well, have the anything to do. aiming is weird, too. Like, if there's, like, a random core fish next to you, some of the points will, will go over there unless you threw the unless you threw the uh, future sight on them first. Right. Well, it's like the future sight is, like, the homing beacon, I guess. Yeah. But if you, if you for whatever reason, that's, like, off cooldown or whatever, yeah, some of them will pull the attention away. It's a weird move. Well, the ability, stored power legit says target a random opponent. So, like, it's... Even if you've got several opponents in front of you, um, and you've like, it pretty much negates your your settings of being able to target like the least the 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 opponent that has the least amount of health versus the least percentage. Like it, because it specifically says random, you don't really know where it's going to go. Um, well, yeah, and and you know, I guess that that's the idea of like why you would play it with Future Sight, and like because Future Sight sets up that homing beacon where all of them will now go towards the future site thing but at the same time it's kind of like you would think that for having to commit that much that it would do more damage it just if they tickle like i'm whenever i see you know them use uh uh sword power i'm like oh sweet so i'm not gonna actually be damaged from these awesome uh you know (laughs) so you're hitting me with a pillow got it yeah now i will say i it seems like there is a little bit of a like a mobility aspect to stored power where when you use it for like the second after you use it you get like an increased sort of like movement speed or something as it's casting it almost like a zoom rolls like roll away where if you like time it like you can you get like a almost like a leap a surge of movement speed as you're using it which is pretty cool um but 
Yeah, it does. It does need... say in the in the description that your speed increases for a short time after you use it. Yeah, and that that's cool. I mean, I just yeah, I look at that and I'm all, you know, anytime somebody uses stored power in a pub game, I'm like, okay, great, we're we're set. Because the size shock one seems, even though it doesn't, it probably it probably needs to do more damage too. The stun is like annoying, oh, it's just so like good. all stuns. You know, yeah. all stuns are annoying, and any so stun it's is like, a okay, good cool, stun. anything with a stun, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, any so stun I, is a I good stun with, with, with a character like that, especially a ranged one. I mean, because you can... Yeah. And, and, and I think the, the yeah, to kind of wrap it around, the preferred build right now is is Future Sight and Psy Shock, because there are also some mm-hmm. um, some cooldown reduction kind of combos there. Um, yeah. Between the two of them, if you, end, if you end up hitting somebody or killing somebody with one of your moves, it, it will reduce the cooldown of the other one. So similar to maybe a Gengar, for example, mm-hmm. with trying to work around playing um, Sludge Hex or um, playing Dream Eater and Shadow Ball. Like, there are some, some combinations and some paths that you can play within the moves that make them better. So mm-hmm. um, I, I do, still I think Psybeam is cool. Cybeam does seem cool, and it seems like it chunks for a good amount of damage. It's just the wind-up is kind of awkward, and the range is like shorter range than other things, but I think it's cool. Um, I, I think it's interesting to note, though, and, and then I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, um, but I do think it's interesting to note that like many of the last however many Pokemon um, have been featuring this cooldown management minigame within them right we're like you're you're, you know you're playing to certain um you're playing into certain skill builds and stuff that reduce or reset cooldowns and um a lot of the stronger pokemon it feels like have that um outside of like uh supports especially seem like they don't really get that level of you know, resetting and stuff, but it, it does seem like the, the mage class of attackers are almost always cooldown resetting and, uh, or reduction strategies. And we're going to see that too with the other piece of news, which is the, is Delphox, of course, uh, is the next Pokemon coming to unite. Uh, and its moveset has been leaked. I don't, think we necessarily need to go too far into this because i would love I to see a little bit more information come out uh like but you can you can certainly go look up and uh, el chico ev uh leaked some stuff i think uh another leaker uh sobble something or other leaked some stuff about delphox as well but that's definitely like imminently approaching and of course we'll cover that when it uh actually is closer to release um but it is another Pokemon that is all about resetting cooldowns and throwing abilities in a certain way to have this cooldown mini game. And I don't know. I, I'm not against it. I'm. It's fun to to do that stuff. I heck. I like using the curse horn leech and getting my horn leech resets, like on Trevenant. That's fun. But I will say, I I am I'm eager to see some other ways to play um sprout up you know some Mm -hmm. i I mean i think that you know if you recall from the last episode where we talked about the uh theory crafted nido king that uh that pain came up with i really liked that the there wasn't like a bunch of cooldown management it was all about resetting the stackings stacking the poisons and resetting the poison uh um 
uh, dot. So, like, there's room to explore outside of just cooldown reduction stuff. And I was even thinking about this, too. I think there's opportunities to, like... <clears throat> in uh, in Dota, there's a couple different uh, heroes that when they get a kill, they get a permanent increase uh, to their stats. And I think that could make for some really, really interesting things, especially if the permanent increase wasn't just damage. If it was something more, like substantial like like a, a defender where a, if a defender gets a kill they increase their uh defensive stats almost like um there, there's actually even a uh uh passive in pokemon called moxie where when you knock out an opposing pokemon you get uh increased attack stats and i think mm-hmm. there's a couple other ones like that but for other stats and i think that that could be a really unique way to play the game where like you know you have to group up with your team in the early game and make sure you're getting kills and and stacking up uh almost like you instead of goal stacking you're you're racking up kills to increase your stats across the match like that would be a cool way to play a attack damage character that isn't just amp up crit chance you know yeah um and, and i and i think it's important that we that we kind of hold our tongue until we see the gameplay of delphox to really know is it is it really truthfully comparable and like the same feel as as espion's kind of cooldown reduction but we know that there's elements of it of cooldown reduction within his moveset already just because we've seen the the text leaked so um but how comparable it'll be is 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 kind of to be determined but i agree with you there's a lot of different um, there's there's still a lot to be explored within design yes and definitely. it would and it would be very cool to see them kind of switch it up a little bit yeah, and I think that there's that's an opportunity for us to explore in a future episode, looking at trends in other MOBAs and identifying areas where mm. there might be uh, um, some of those mechanics could be ported over. And and really, because of Pokemon Unite's more unique way of doing things about like goal crunching instead of like, um, or rather like you have a timer and you're trying to get as many uh, points in and goals crunched as opposed to like destroying an enemy base. Like the the uniqueness of Unite's format, I think, could make some of those mechanics really shine and flourish. Um, so uh, that would be really exciting to explore in a future episode. But uh, that's not what we're covering today. So that was our really long introduction, but we did want to have some time to talk about Espeon. Um, we have uh, three topics for today. Again, as always, we have a casual, competitive, uh, and creative segment. So today you are going to be able to hear us talk about uh, in our casual segment which is experience share. We're going to be talking about Pokemon stats. We're going to be talking about why they're important, um, even though they're not super prominently displayed, especially to the new player or casual player. Um, And it can often help to just get an idea of what they mean and how to find out what your Pokemon of choice's stats are. So uh, we're going to be covering that. Then in our competitive section, we're talking top tier. It's going to be a tier list of held items in the competitive scene. And then finally, we're going to wrap up with Captain Clash, round two. Uh, If I remember correctly, there was a pretty split consensus over who won the first round of Captain Clash. So I'm really eager to to go at it again and see what kind of teams we can draft up there. So uh, let's go ahead and start with Experience Share. He's getting a big head. Yeah, but his brain's still the same size. Like I mentioned, Pokemon stats are very important. Right, but it's almost like a hidden mechanic within the game. Like it's not easy to go in and and like get a rundown. You you get a brief rundown at the beginning of the game when you go through a tutorial. I think about like the difference between mm-hmm. physical attacks 
and special attacks. Uh, and then you really don't revisit it any other time. And in fact, sometimes even in the Pokemon move descriptions or passive descriptions, they'll bring up things like special attack or critical hit rates and things like that. And yet you can't really find that information anywhere. Um, the bottom line is how you play a Pokemon uh, should be somewhat dictated by what their stats tell you. Right. If you have a, a Pokemon like Absol that is a high crit chance character with great physical attack and no moves that use special attack, well then that's important to know so that you don't go putting a wise glasses on their character that uh, that would use special attack, right? Because you get no benefit out of it. And there are some Pokemon, a few of them that can you sort of use both, right? Uh, but the the bottom line is stats are really important and they matter. And so for the new or casual player, we hope you guys will get something out of this um, and uh, take it about as far as you want to. Because starting out, in general, knowing what stats do is important for a couple things. Damage scaling. So all of the moves or most of the moves will have a... Uh, stat assigned to it that's it, that the damage scales off of. Mm -hmm. um, there are also specific moves from some characters that will manipulate the stats of their own uh, or of other Pokemon, either on their team or on the enemy team even at times, uh, that can dampen or uh, enhance some of those stats. And then, of course, like I already mentioned, held items. And knowing which held items to equip is very dependent uh, on knowing what uh, attacking stats your Pokemon will use and sometimes what kind of uh, uh, natural stat distribution they have so that you can play up uh, a Pokemon with great defenses or great HP, give them even more and make them you know all but unkillable, right? So knowing those things is really important as a basis. Right. It's Yeah, and stats, like as you said, stats are something that are... Uh, I mean, like when a patch comes out, for example... If there's five versions of a patch, typically only one or two of them ever has the full breakdown of how a stat has been affected by an increase of a buff or, or, or a nerf or even just like a sliding adjustment, even if it's meant to kind of be neutral with, with some sort of mixed effect. It's, it's not necessarily something that is predominantly talked about um, later, but it's always our first question whenever you and I are looking at patch notes. are like, okay, well, what's the actual difference? You can tell me that you've buffed you've buffed Gengar's damage on, on Dream Eater, but what, how much did you buff it? Or you've nerfed, you've nerfed the, uh, the damage on someone's alt. Well, how much did you nerf it? Because I need to know that because that matters with, if it's still going to be worth playing versus somebody else. I mean, we end up, we end up comparing a lot of times character or Pokemon within their class or their certain type of role and sometimes what makes a Pokemon better than others is because they scale better into a late game or they don't scale better in a late game and they're better in their early game where they just do more damage overall of a certain type and um, that can help if you're trying to pair up with with teammates or if you are are, are solo queuing does your does your character maybe do a little bit more reliable damage alone where you don't have to worry about what are your other your rest of your team is because sometimes it's unpredictable. So stats are a big part of it, and it's also no, important to know there are a it's almost like a five starred like stat breakdown in the uh, the Pokemon window shopping car screen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that the rotating car screen as you as you as you rotate your model in a circle, looking like a Fiat. Um, That's right. 
it's important to know that those stats are not the end-all, be-all, and don't always translate exactly with how their true performance is within game. And if you are ever curious and want to see for yourself, I mean, you can find the stats for any of the any of the Pokemon online. Yep. They have a full, they'll have a full stat breakdown of even what they do at certain levels, and you can kind of slide the bar and see how it goes. And up. that's really important too. Yeah, so. because certain Pokemon, especially when they get hit evolutions, will have a spike in stats at different levels. Not every Pokemon, one, has the same number of evolutions, but two, evolves at the same levels. So it's good to know when your Pokemon evolves as well, so that way you know, and when do, when do I hit that power spike, and can I push to win more farm or, or, or try to get there as soon as possible? Um, if you're ever looking to see how much a move does you can always go into the practice range as well and there is a a little kind of stuffed toy it's that's the one that greninja it's the it's the uh, substitute that greninja yeah greninja throws out um when he does um his smoke screen oh no it's you know it's substitute you're right substitute yeah before he levels it to smoke screen yeah right so when he throws his substitute there's a little green green little plushy substitute there you can go into kind of your jungle area within the practice realm and you can hit that and, and it'll give you feedback on stats about how much something is doing damage wise uh, at certain levels. So you can see it for yourself. You can find them online, but it just depends how kind of nitty gritty you want to get with your stats. Yeah, definitely. So like, I want to start here. Uh, we're going to go over basically three types of stats and there, there's, there's actually quite a few different stats you can mess with. Um, we're not going to talk about HP, that's pretty straightforward, and it's one of the more visible stats um, that you can take a look at. Um, there are held items that increase your base HP, um, but uh, HP, at least at the moment, uh, does not like scale into any uh, damages or damage reductions or anything like that. So we're really not going to talk about HP. You can always, like, uh, like Gibby mentioned, you can go and look it up online. I think Unite Pro has like an entire breakdown of every Pokemon and all their stats, and you can even sl- do these sliders to see the different levels and stuff like that. So we're not going to talk about HP. Uh, but we're going to start with probably the most important one, which is attack and special attack. And if if you take nothing else away from this, make sure that you have a clean understanding of attack and special attack. Um, to start, each Pokemon is des- designated as either a physical or special attacker. And it is, like, in little text at the top of the screen in the selection, uh, Pokemon selection menu. But there's just so much going on in there that unless you know to look for it, a lot of times people won't, uh, people won't look for it. And the reason why I know that this is an issue and the reason why we're talking about it is it is frequent that we will go and look at uh, players that we played with in uh, past matches on, like, Unite API. We will see uh, content creators posting on Twitter and on social media uh, about the held item builds that people are using, and it is a chronic issue for newer and less experienced players to misunderstand how damage works and what damage items go on each Pokemon, and that all stems from the lack of visibility, in my opinion, of the atta- of the physical attack versus special attack stats. So, a Pokemon can be assigned either physical attacker or special attacker. It's just how they are, and that determines what stats their different moves scale off of. Your basic attacks, the ones that you do, not your boosted attacks, but your basic attacks, uh, are always going to slightly scale off of your um, 
physical attack. So just attack Your regular stat. attack. Your regular attack stat. So even on special attackers, and this is where it gets a little dicey and confusing, even on a special attacker like Gardevoir, right? If you give Gardevoir, and you shouldn't, if you give Gardevoir an item that boosts your attack, the only value you're likely to see is going to be on her basic like little beams that she throws out, her basic attacks, which will do a little bit more damage because they scale off a physical attack, okay? Um, but everything else will not. Boosted attacks are where it gets a little weird. Boosted attacks scale off of whatever your damage typing is. So for a physical attacker, like Cinderace, their boosted attack is still going to scale off of attack, just like their regular attacks, but for a special attacker like Gardevoir, the boosted attack is going to instead scale off of special attack. So it's just really important to know that if you're playing a special attacking Pokemon, your boosted attack is what's actually going to do a chunk of damage. And a lot of Pokemon have to hit a couple times, like two or three times, and then they get their boosted um, so know that while your basic attacks may not do very much, if you are a hard scaling Pokemon, uh, it, let's say you're a Pikachu and you're running a bunch of glasses that all boost your special attack, your basic attack's not going to do much, but that boosted attack is going to crush it and it's going to do a huge chunk of damage plus whatever the other side abilities of boosted attacks are. So right. that's really important to know. Yeah. And, um, and, and it, we've all been in that situation where the slightest difference in damage. Like how many times have you been in lane at level three or level four and you're fighting just for some farm and you notice that maybe, maybe your opponent overextended just a little bit and they're getting low at health and they're running away and you're trying to chase them down and get that KO on them and they escape with a sliver. It is important to know what kind of damage you're doing and that, that you're building a build that helps increase the things, the stats that you're your Pokemon does well. You don't want to be be hurting yourself out the gate and for the entire game by just by yeah. putting the wrong things on there. Absolutely. Um, so that's how the attacks uh, and the boosted attacks work. Uh, it's also important to note that when you go in and if you go into one of these uh, Unite like database sites, um, you can see for each Pokemon their moves. And most Pokemon's moves uh, that do damage will have a certain percentage of scaling off of the stat. So, for instance, um, Snorlax's Heavy Slam will scale off of a, um attack percentage. So it takes a percentage of the attack stats and adds that to whatever the base damage is. And I say that, and, and I, I this is a little nitty-gritty, but I think it's important because... Um, if you have a Pokemon that does not have very strong stat scaling, using items uh, that their moves um, – excuse me, using items in which their uh, – boosts those stats may not be as useful as they would be on a Pokemon whose moves have great scaling uh, with a stat. So – for instance, if you get – and I'm, I'm making this up. I haven't looked at Heavy Slam scaling in a minute. But Heavy Slam, for instance, it's got something like uh, – let's say it's like 80% of attack plus the base, right? If you run a uh, an item that boosts their attack stat, obviously you'll take 80% of that and add it. Um, but if you had a move that only scales like 30%, 
you're going to get such more like diminishing returns on boosting those attack stats. So for like the more advanced building, the more you get into the game, the more you really want to optimize builds, the more useful it is to look at those scaling and determine if it's really worth it to run uh, that uh, attack weight or if maybe it would be better and more effective for you to run something that's going to keep you alive longer. Because keep in mind... The longer you're alive, the more you get to churn out damage. So in a way, that's a damage multiplier in and of itself, right? So um, just, of course, keeping that in mind, I think, is is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also where, when Gibby was mentioning, uh, when you see a buff uh, come in or a nerf, you can sometimes, you know, when it first comes out, because the studio for some reason decides that they're not going to actually tell you what things mean. <laughs> um, they'll say something like damage reduced on Venusaur solar beam. Okay. But was the damage reduced on the base damage or the, or scaling. On the scaling? Because if it's a little bit of a base damage reduction, uh, then okay. I mean, that's annoying. But if you're still scale, if it still scales well with stats, then it may not be the end of the world. If they reduce, it would hurt less. Right. If they reduce the scaling on something that already has bad scaling, then that is better than if they reduce the base damage on something that had bad scaling. So it's like you have to kind of know the – the um, for those more advanced reading – and again, I know this is a casual new player section. But I think it's important to like get a understanding of how it works and why. Um, it's worth it to go in and really determine um, for evaluating how good a nerf or buff is to the stats. Um looking at that Pokemon's uh, moves for a little bit of context. So, uh, yeah, so that's really important. And, of course, lastly, like we've mentioned with held items, if you are playing Greninja, which scales off of physical attack, you would much rather play something that boosts physical attack or or maybe something that increases crit chance, right? Because you know that you're going to be doing a lot of physical attacks, right? Mm-hmm. You would much rather do that then equip something that boosts your um, special attack because none of your moves scale off of special attack. And even if there's a little bit of like, let's say like Shell Bell, right, which would boost your special attack and gives you a little bit of healing when you do damage with a move, right? You would much rather use uh, something like a Razor Claw, which not only increases your damage, but also gives you a little bit of a of a juicer effect. Um, so... There and, and there are situations like Muscle Band is a great example of a situation that can be used on both physical and sometimes special attackers. So with even though that one increases, I believe, your physical attack mm-hmm. a little bit, Correct. it also increases your attack speed. And that's really important for some Pokemon that have great boosted abilities to get that quickly. And it'll still increase their damage. So for instance, or or like Venusaur is another is a great one where Venusaur is a special attack scaling Pokemon. But his basic attacks or his boosted attack, excuse me, is really, really useful because his vines come out and squish people together. The crowd control ability of Venusaur's boosted attack is incredible. So you run muscle band sometimes, knowing that on certain builds like the pedal dance one where you're really getting in people's face. You want to be getting your boosted attacks quickly to slam them together and make it easier to Giga Drain that cone onto multiple enemies. So, like, there are times where there's an exception to the rule, but right now, Muscle Band is pretty much the only exception to that rule, uh, just just for context. So, that is the attack 
uh, and special attack breakdown. Gibby, do you want to take us into just a brief uh, understanding of like defensive stats? It seems like there's not as much uh, that utilizes them in a scaling capacity, but I think it's still really worth understanding. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so every Pokemon has an attack and a special, or I'm sorry, a, a, a defense and special defense stat. Um, and it's, it matters that, you know, kind of what they do better. I mean, so this is going to matter. This is going to affect the amount of damage that they're taking in from the opposing Pokemon, depending on whatever kind of attack is coming in. So if, if a Pokemon has a really good special defense stat, then it's going to take on less damage from an opposing Pokemon that is hitting it with a special attack on the other end. Like I said, every Pokemon has a defense and a special defense stat. And um, it's important to know kind of, and this is also a more advanced mechanic, but when you are going in laner, you see that preview of the five stack that's that, that's going to be in uh, a, a opposite of you. And you can kind of start to figure out who you're going to see in lane knowing you all have really good special defense and they've got somebody across from you that let's say is a, I don't know, is a gang or you've got you've got a Mr. Mime who's a special attack across from you, like a Pikachu yeah. that does special attacks, and you've got a good special defense stat. Well, they might be a little less effective, and you might be able to kind of push forward a little bit harder, and they think they're going to do a little bit more damage. Um, but if you run into a Machamp and you'd have a really weak uh, uh, defensive stat, then you might be a bit more careful um, because they're they're going to chunk you for a little bit more damage than you might be expecting. So there are moves that will scale your, or that will that will um, increase your special defense, increase your uh, your regular defense, or therefore decrease the the attack on the other side of of the of the game. But um, it's important, just as we talked about, and it's probably not even worth going in that deep. But just as as you're paying attention to moves uh, and the scaling of your attack and special attack, it's important to know what your base special defense and base regular defense is. Um, and that matters maybe where who you pair him with uh, in a lane or who you, who you go against and how you're going to perform. Um, you have to stay alive in order to be able to do damage and be able to win the game. So, so knowing what your defensive stats are and if you are squishy or not is, is really important. And it's also important for things like uh, there are certain moves like, like amnesia, for instance, where like, just uh, on Slowbro, just because you see the little question mark pop up in the air when you press the button and see a little bit of healing, you may not understand the full implications of that ability. Well, that ability massively increases your defense and special defense. And you might even even if you know that, you might say, well, what the heck does that do? Well, you know, now that you know, now that you've listened to our podcast, you know that that is straight up damage reduction. Um, so when you press amnesia in the middle of that fight, for those seconds that the amnesia is active, you are taking a significantly lower amount of damage than you otherwise would, allowing you to stay in the fight longer and wait for that surf to come back up off cooldown. And, you know, as somebody who plays a good amount of Slowbro, if you could get to two, three, even four surfs in a team fight, you're in a great spot and you're doing your job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of staying alive that long. And that's where something like, I, I see a lot of people might not a lot of not, a lot of new players I'll say will look at amnesia and be like what the heck this doesn't do anything it's boring it actually is really good and you might still choose to use the um, was it psychic or whatever the uh, the 
Telekinesis. That's telekinesis. It. You might still choose to use telekinesis, and that's a really good move too. But uh, knowing how the defense uh, manipulation works, I think, is still important to really get a, a holistic perspective. Same thing with Crustal Shell Smash. Shell Smash would reduce his stats temporarily to boost his speed. So, you know, understanding yeah. you will be taking more damage when you use Shell Smash. A lot of people don't know that when they first, uh, first use it. But the last thing I want to touch on here before moving into our next segment um, is that there are other stats at play. But these stats are usually, like, they're not brought up a whole lot. They're more niche. And you can go by without knowing them. But it is important to, if you really want to be the best player of a certain Pokemon or a certain type of Pokemon, a certain role, it is worth going into the stats, looking up at what levels these, like, alternate stats start becoming more important or begin appearing on your Pokemon's like level 15 stats as opposed to your level one stats. So things like critical rate, like what percentage chance do they have to crit or passive lifesteal on attack. That's something that a Charizard and a, uh, Aegislash and Garchomp are going to have arena and Zarina at the end of the game, but that won't have earlier cooldown reduction a percentage amount that your cooldowns are going to be just flatly reduced. Some of the mage characters will have that by the end of the game, and they won't have it at the beginning of the game. So it's just yep. good to know some of that information. Move speed, attack speed, um, and even uh, a little bit more detailed is like, and it's only different, I think, for one Pokemon, but like when you crit, how much of a percentage damage is that, uh, Azumarill? <laughs> so, like, uh, there's a lot more depth that you can go into with these stats. And But we wanted to introduce to you guys this concept of stats and understanding its importance uh, in knowing how to play the game and making sure that you're using movesets and you're using held items that make sense for those Pokemon. So... Um, yeah, hope you guys got something out of that. Let's move on to our competitive section, top tier. Listen up, James. I hope you're good, because I'm not going to carry you. Mm-mm-mm. No one's carried me since my mama. All right, so for top tier, we're going to do a uh, a tier list, as the name would, would allude to, of oh. the held items that you would equip with a Pokemon as you are going into battle. You get to equip up to three held items uh, uh, with your Pokemon. And we just mentioned them, mentioned some of them and the importance of these held items as they relate to your stats and they relate to uh, how effective your Pokemon is going to be. But we're going to take this, this look, um, this snapshot about the way that the competitive scene is currently shaken. And we've seen some adjustments recently. Um, over the last patch or two to some very important held items. So it's it's important for us to be able to talk about, now that we've had some time within the competitive scene, uh, we've seen a couple tournaments be played. We've seen um, just a lot of games firsthand from us in five stacks and um, in ranked in, in the casual play. And we've gotten a feel for maybe how impactful have some of those decreases in some important held items been and what has that done to other held items that maybe didn't get touched but maybe now have taken a more of a prominent role so we're going to go through a tier list we've got our s tier our a tier b tier c tier and then our d for don't use uh tier that we're going to go through <laughs> and we're going to do it live this is not uh pre uh, pre predetermined about what we think about each of these held items but we'll try to move through them relatively quickly and just kind of give a snapshot about what we think so 
Um, we'll go back and forth picking held items. The first one, let's talk about. Let's talk about our good friend, the Focus Band. Ooh. So the Focus starting strong. Starting off strong. We got to set a baseline somewhere. So That's Focus. Right. So Focus Band gives you an increase to your your health after you uh, get for a short amount of time after you uh, get low enough within your health bar. I think it's like fifteen or twenty percent or, or somewhere in there. But uh, once you get low enough. Uh, it'll increase your health for a couple seconds, um, every second uh, until you kind of get back, and then it's got to it's got to cool down until it comes back up and it's active again. Um, mm. I'm gonna put it also gives you it also gives you flat defense and special defense uh, right passive effects. That is true. Yeah. So I I personally I think I think focus band is an S tier is an S tier item. Uh, I don't think there's gonna be much negotiation here on it. Uh, there are times where focus band is just absolutely crucial on being able to stay alive if you are squishier or if you are even a melee character that needs to get up in people's faces and last a little bit longer. Um, you've, that focus band can be the difference between staying alive, getting a move back up that even gives you some HP uh, recovery or allows you to get out uh, of a fight and not lose. I mean, it's, it's really important, I feel, in, in top lanes that whether they're whether you're kind of doing a handshake trade or not, I've seen focus band run almost exclusively outside of maybe all all damage item builds on Lucario in that top lane because you just cannot afford to lose that top lane. Yeah, focus band is straight up bonkers, and it's always been really really good. I think that uh, the nerfs to Score Shield and Buddy Barrier have catapulted this up to maybe maybe the best held item in the entire game uh it should be noted that while uh you may not notice the impact of it right at the beginning uh, or near the end of the game the early game and mid game the use of focus band is so crucial that like we literally track whose focus bands we pop when we're fighting in our tri-lane bot like we'll, we will know just like we'll track when somebody uses their eject button and knowing that that's down for over a minute we will look and when somebody uses their um or when somebody's focus band goes on cooldown we'll be like oh okay we pop their focus band or we'll say my focus band is down i can't fully commit to this like that's how good this is uh and it's so influential now that there are slots opening up where not everyone's running Buddy Barrier and not everyone's running Score Shield. Focus Band is the big winner for that. So I think it's an easy uh, allocation into S tier. 100% so the, agree. Go ahead. And what is going to be our next held item? The next held item I'm going to pick is uh, Wise Glasses. Okay. All right. I'm giving you a hard one. <laughs> so wise glasses are, are are a very interesting one because we have a similar item. Uh, you might as well group them both together. Personally, well, no, I I think that they're worth I think they're worth uh, distinguishing, right? So um, basically, a wise glasses gives you a big flat special attack boost which is the biggest of all of these special att- or tied for the biggest of special attack boosts but it also then its main ability uh gives you three percent uh more special attack of whatever you then have right so wise glasses has the potential to have the largest amount of special attack possible but with no kicker effects so it's sure. created the situation i feel where there are niche scenarios where you just only care about like churning out as much damage as possible 
and you'll put like two or three glasses, all three of the, mm-hmm. there's three different glasses, uh, held items, and you'll put all three and just be like a monster at chunking out damage, like on a Gardevoir or a Pikachu or something, but you have like no survivability items. You have no items to, uh, keep you alive, right? So, I don't know. I mean, to me, Wise Glasses is the one that always gets cut from those builds when somebody eventually goes, you know what? I do wish I had a focus band, though. <laughs> I only need I only need two sets of glasses. Yeah, for, yeah. The Wise Glasses tend to be the first one to go. It does. Yeah. They just scale. It just scales a little bit less. It feels like than its its special attacks counterpart. So, where would you place Wise Glasses? To me, I have Wise Glasses in C tier. And, you know, wow. it's only because they get hedged out by so many other things that, like, they're they're not in D tier. Like, they get played, but only, like, once in a blue moon, you know? And see, uh, maybe it's because I use them a bit more, but I also know that there are certain damage builds that rely just on being able to just to churn out that damage. I am going to place Wise Glasses in B tier. I think that it is, it is fair to place in B tier because it is dependent on it is dependent for the for the wise glasses to be they are, it is very build build dependent for them and it will be cut it's not something you rely on which is when i am kind of reserving mentally for a tier and s tier are ones that you immediately place in that first or second slot knowing that they are crucial to your build but b tier maybe being ones that um maybe fit into a decent amount of builds but aren't the first ones you're going to choose i think wise glasses can do they do what you want them to do, and they are effective, but they're just not going to be that first pick that you put on a build. And, you know, I could see them going in B tier in my chart if this was like a pub stomp listing. But I think in a like five stack competitive, they just it's so much often better to have more survivability in my mind. But uh, sure. we do not have to agree. So what is your next uh, item that we're going to look at? I'm going to move right next adjacent to it to our choice specs. Mm. Choice specs being the the other set, or the second of the three uh, sets of of uh, glasses that that um, boost your special attacks. So choice specs, unlike um, the their counterpart, the wise glasses. Choice specs run off of uh, they give you a special attack uh, flat increase of thirty nine special attack at for at kind of at that base level, uh, and they give you increase the damage of moves by a minimum of forty when they hit. The higher the special, the Pokemon special attack, the more damage is increased. So as uh, you have higher special attacks in general, um, and you start hitting with some of your moves, it scales a little bit better. Choice specs will do more damage um, than they would at base. The better your special attacks are. So if you are playing a a high damage special attack character, or you have a move that does a lot of damage, you're going to want to put choice specs on it. Uh, of any of the damage items that increase special attack, because that's probably going to going to give you the most bang for your buck. Um, I also am going to place choice specs. Um, I think I can probably put choice specs in a tier. Personally, I think a, I think choice specs, and I can understand why you would have put um, wise glasses in in C tier uh, from a competitive perspective. Mm-hmm. I do think choice specs do fill a role for extra damage increase. And I think they are important if any of the special attack for on any special attack character, if you're worried about your ability to secure in like a bot lane, like in a three stack as like that range damage dealer, or even yeah. on someone like a slow bro who's running surf or something like that. Choice specs are usually the first one that gets slotted in to help, to help, I don't know, navigate the waters of not having enough secure on, on wild farm in the early game and help increase your level. So I think choice specs are, um, a solid option, not something top tier, but they are 
for about half of the roster, uh, definitely something that you would evaluate on every on every character on, that has special attack base. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I'm good to put choice specs in A tier. I think the delineation for me is if you're stuck between wise glasses or choice specs, you always pick choice specs. And there's often a uh, opportunities to play a choice specs on a Pokemon as the one damage increasing option that does not require stacking or your ultimate. So it's a very easy to use item, which uh, to me makes it a little bit more... A little bit less vulnerable to the volatility of, oh crap, my lane went bad, I didn't get stacks. Or, um, I'm a little behind, I'm not going to get, you know, three or four alts in a game. Choice specs are going to be more reliable. So, I have choice specs also in A tier. Totally agree. Um, I want to talk about Assault Vest. So Assault Vest is a really interesting item and one that I've only recently, with the changes to Score Shield and Buddy Barrier, started playing... Um, Assault Vest gives you a whopping 270 bonus HP, which I believe is now the, uh, second most HP you get after, uh, the, actually, I think it's, is either second most or the most, um, because I think the score shield or the buddy barrier got like walloped in the flat HP you get. It also gives you bonus special defense. And while you're not in combat, you generate a shield that nullifies 9% uh, or, excuse me, nullify special attack damage equal to 9% of your Pokemon's base health. So, for a tanky kind of Pokemon like a Wigglytuff, I've actually been having, uh, I've been messing with it on Wigglytuff. It's not in my main build, but I don't hate it. But I really have been kind of liking it on Blissey, and it has popped up on a couple Blisseys, even in higher end play in these big tournaments, um, as a way to counter in a best of three. Uh, teams that are using a lot of special attackers like a Sylveon or a uh, Pikachu or Ninetales. There are three Pokemon that are really good right now. So to me, I look at Salt Vest. I think it's a pretty cool one, but because of the like limited scope, it's only good on purely defensive Pokemon. Like It's not that great on highly mobile Pokemon that can escape uh, from those abilities or Pokemon that are focused on putting damage out. To me, that makes it solidly B tier. And see, I'm going to put it even lower than you. I'm going to put Assault Vest at C tier. I think I think Assault Vest is on 95% of uh, characters and even uh, almost all characters, but in very specific builds. I think even on even in its best case scenario, it is niche. And it can be useful, but you also don't even have the ability to, I don't know, use your Assault Vest and control when your Assault Vest is going to be useful. Because if somebody springs out of a bush and attacks you, it runs off of your ability to stay out of combat, which also means you are not being as useful. Um, well, in order, it, in order to sto- build it, it back stacks up. up. It stacks up while you're not fighting people, and then it's on you full time until you take that attack, that special attack damage. So it's not like it. It's not like it will run out at a time before you attack. It's just going to be there until they attack you with something with special attack. Uh, I, I think that what de- de- delineates this in my mind is that like. It has a very clear role, and it's also a kind of a a counter option in a best of three competitive format, which is really unique because I don't feel like any of these other held items have that ability to note, oh, wow, they're running two special attack scaling characters. Let's slap Assault Vest on our supports. They'll stay alive so much longer. Like, And I think that that, to me, is what pushes it into B tier. But, uh, but again, we do not have to agree. What's your next one, buddy? 
Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Floatstone. <laughs> Floatstone. Floatstone is a very unique um, is a very unique held item. It increases the movement of your speed by 15% or a, a flat percentage um, when you are not in combat. So you're another, another item that is based off of your ability to, to not be in combat and it gives you a, a flat percentage um, to your movement speed. And then as you level it up, it the, the also gives you a little bit of attack and also a little bit of a base uh, increase to your move speed as well. Along with it, with, with it leveling up, I think floatstone, I, I struggle to, to to put floatstone high anywhere because you just don't see it played, and in a lot of cases, um, your movement speed really isn't an issue. If you really need to get out of something, you need to get somewhere else around the map. What are you doing? You're trying to look for one of those speed barriers in the center of the map, or you're just you're just run uh, to a teammate. <laughs> run to a teammate. You are yeah. are you're teleporting home so that way you can run along your track path uh, a little bit faster of all the, of the goals that you still have up and get you to, to, to lanes more often. You're taking the jump pad. There's not a lot of time that you spend out of combat where your attack speed or your your uh, movement speed really matters that much. So um, I'm actually going to put this in the in the D tier of don't use. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I mean, the, so this is funny to me because in like the first months of the game, Floatstone was like staple item. I guess just because we were naive back then. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is that there's better options. If you're a damage dealer, you'd rather have more damage. You kill them faster. You know, you don't need the move speed if you kill them faster, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, you, if you're playing with your team, especially in a competitive format, like you're either way out of position and you're going to die no matter what, or you are running to your team who are going to back you up. Like I, I just don't see the usefulness, especially in competitive. Um, maybe there's some niche abilities for like jungle invading with floatstone. Um you know, has the ability to cross the map faster, get in and out of their jungle. Uh, but that's just so niche, and it's also not in the meta right now that I just can't justify putting it higher than D tier. You, you shouldn't be using this in competitive until something changes. Yep. What is our next um, held item? Yeah, so we've got Experience Share. Uh, experience Share is a freaking weird one. Uh, and uh, our team goes back and forth on if we want to try it and every time somebody suggests we try it they're probably sick of me going experience share is stupid don't play it um it's weird because what it what it does is while you have the lowest xp on your team you get twice like two experience points per second instead of one um and then additionally if you are near a teammate that defeats a wild pokemon your teammate gets more experience. It allows you to funnel XP towards your teammate. So it's so it's hard weird. to use. It's so hard to use. It gives you flat HP and flat move speed, and that's cool. The move speed part, especially. But in my mind, I feel like there's one, maybe two Pokemon that can use this in the entire game, and even then, in the way that the new ch- that the tri-lane dynamic operates where everybody's just hounding for getting the last hits on Pokemon. You've got Hoopas astonishing from a million miles away trying to snipe it. Like, you can't... It's hard to justify putting these XP shares on supports uh, if those supports are then going to try to use their smite, their early game smite abilities, like Pound on Blissey or uh, or whatever it is, the Slap one. You tornado. Know, on Wiggly, the, torn- the Leaf well, Tornado on Eldie. 
Right. And so like I and, and weirdly LD is the only one that I can feel like this is actually maybe a good fit on purely because its basic attacks are really better for harassing than they are for like hitting um wild pokemon. So it's just like it's hard to find a pokemon but yet then you have teams that swear by it. So like to me I put this in C tier and I say Hey, it's probably higher tier if you're a team that is just really at that true highest level of coordination and execution. But if you're not at that place where like everybody is playing with your XP share in mind as well, it's not worth playing. So I put it in C tier because of its ability to be better in the hands of truly great players. But for everyone else in my mind, it's D tier. And see, I'm going to go one one step up from you. I think in in the but I but I agree with your sentiment in the in the hands of a, of a really coordinated five stack top tier players. I'm, I think it is okay. It's in B tier. It's it's just like that third slot, almost like wise glasses, where like it it may fit in a certain scenario. But outside of that, it's got to be C tier. It you'll you'll get a little bit of effect on it probably. Um, if you are, are not playing in a top tier five stack team or in a really coordinated five stack team, but still playing five stacks, um, I think you'll, you'll get a little bit of use out of it, but it's more important for those top tier teams that just know how to, how to coordinate around who's taking what farm. Um, and, and it's still got some, some prevalence in, in the meta. Uh, next let's move on to weakness policy. Weakness policy is also a very unique item um, that it increases the Pokemon's attack for a short time by a, a percentage when uh, a, by a minimum percentage when the Pokemon receives damage. The increase goes larger the more times damage is received. So if you're getting getting mollywopped by two or three different Pokemon at the same time and just trying to survive and you're doing a lot of damage, um, you're the longer you last in that fight. Weakness policy makes you better. Um, the nice part is it is the static stats that you get from weakness policy are. A little bit of a regular attack, uh, as well as an HP boost. So it's helping you stay alive while you are in in combat, and then it's also making you do more damage over time. As long as you can kind of stay, you can kind of stay with it. You can stay within the fight. If you can bounce around, or you can evade some attacks, or even just just tank the damage. I think weakness policy is pretty good. I like it on a lot of um, on a lot of Pokemon. Um, yeah, all rounders in particular really benefit right. from weakness policy because they have a lot of built-in healing and sustain. Yeah, I mean, I I like running it on my Zarina Stomp build personally. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite place to be able to play weakness policy. Um, I've seen uh, Drag Outrage Dragonites play it. I've seen Aegislash. I've seen Aegislash. I've even seen a couple. I've seen a couple um, Petal Dance Venus play it, even though it runs off a special attack. So um, Trevenant. Trevenant loves it. Uh, so a lot of just a lot of in-your-face characters. I'm personally going to place uh, weakness policy in the A tier. Um, I think there's it's it's pretty useful. Um, yep, and I agree. It's, it's it's got its place in the meta right now. Yeah, totally. Uh, let's go leftovers. 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 I love I love picking the the bad ones. And spoiler alert, it's pretty bad. Which is spoiler ironic leftovers. because leftovers is probably the strongest held item in like the mainline series games, and yet it's terrible here. So it's another one of those. It's the last of those ones where if it is not in combat. So if after a certain amount of time of not fighting people, you get a passive one percent of your max HP healed every second. Uh, in addition to whatever your passive recovery uh, is, the reality is it's bad. And it's bad because there are so many other ways to heal in this game. It is not so hard to just TP home, go to a healer, 
hoopas and competitive are just going to start porting you home and letting you come back, come in, come out. There's no reason to equip a leftovers if your hoopa is just going to send you home or if you're just going to go get a berry or stand on your goal zone. So leftovers is just easily, in my mind, the far and away worst item in the entire game. It is D tier, D minus tier yep. to me. Bad. Not much more to say on that. <laughs> nope. All right. Let's move on to one of our recently nerfed items. Let's go to Score Shield. Uh, Score Shield is an interesting conversation. Score Shield helps uh, protect you as you are trying to punch in points on the goals. It gives you a um, it gives you a, a shield equal to a certain percentage of your max HP. Um, and that the change to, to Score Shield recently was. Previously, you could stack that with other shields, and the other shields would kind of go away first, and then your score shield would remain, and it would allow you, even if someone's smacking you in the face while you're trying to score, um, if they can't burn through your shield and do damage to you, then you're still going to score anyway. However, they've changed it where, one, they've weakened the effect of score shield, but they've also made it that score shield, the shield that you get from it, goes away first. And there's also an increased cooldown on it now. So there is a cooldown on score shield. It doesn't come up too often, but there is one in case you're trying to re-up and try to score and multiple times. it's longer. Times. It's like six seconds or something now. It's, it's, much, it's much larger. Since the, since the nerf to score shield, we've seen its, its play rate drop a lot. And we've seen it, and that's maybe one of the biggest effects outside of one other item to the, the held item kind of uh, dichotomy, if you will where it's 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 made a big effect on the comps that are being played too because a lot of characters in a certain type of comps like score comps uh, really relied on on score shield to be able to punch damage through and and negate some of the things lucario's loved score shield um and i think yeah. i think the the weakened effect talon flame crustles greedence there was yep. an entire team that was just built around being able to not care what Dragonite. you do and just score dragonite, Dragonite gets to jump port with to a goal with his ult and then start dunking while he's got those bonus shields from his ult it's perfect for splitting and yet now that's just nowhere near as effective so where do you place this on the tier list score shield for me is a c tier it's it's gotta be it's it's it may maybe 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 in a very very niche scenario almost like an assault vest work but it's it's not useful enough to be able to consider it in most builds. It doesn't fit a lot of what the, the current meta wants to do. Um, it's more focused on team fights and team wipes and being able to, to scale and stay alive, objective-focused. Um, score shield just isn't, isn't as needed anymore. I agree. I totally agree. Let's uh, look at Razorclaw. So Razorclaw was in the second round of held items. And by the way, we're definitely hoping we get some new held items uh, at some point uh, because I think the ones they came out with uh, in the last round, which was Weakness Policy and Razorclaw and Choice, Choice specs. specs, were really, really compelling. So uh, Razorclaw says after the Pokemon uses a move, its next move deals a minimum of 10 uh, more damage, which increases based on that Pokemon's attack stats. And... When it's held by a melee Pokemon, the basic attack will also decrease the movement speed of the opposing Pokemon for a short time. It increases the attack a little bit and gives a plus 2.1% critical hit rate. This is a great item on Pokemon that are melee attackers um, and that are going to use moves to close the distance on Pokemon and thus lock them down with that slow so they can keep, uh, keep munching on them. It is a... It is an item that I think struggles, not because it isn't good, but because uh, there are not 
a ton of Pokemon that are strong at the moment that can really capitalize off of this, right? But the ones that can, Pokemon like Talonflame, Pokemon like Absol, and I guess, I mean, depending on the build, sometimes even Zerora, really, really love it. So where do you put that? To me, I say B tier. I am in agreement. B tier, it is useful. There are builds that you might be able to stash it on. Um, but even in the right hands and in the right build, um, I think there's just still a percentage chance where it doesn't do you as much as you really want it to. So it's not it's not an auto-include like an, like an S tier or an A tier would be, but it still is relevant. Yeah, totally agree. B tier. All right. Um, I'm going to go on the other critical hit item. I'm going to go scope lens. Um, scope lens is the other one that increases your critical hits, increases the damage of basic attacks for critical hits. The higher the Pokemon's attack stat, the more the damage increases. So the higher uh, attack stat you you increase, you've got the more that your your basic attacks are going to do. So characters that like to do a lot of basic attacks have a high uh, attack rate. Like a Cinderace, love playing scope lens because they're going to get more out of it the more that they hit those basic attacks. Um, I personally would play Scope Lens. Uh, it, it also increases your critical hit rate and your critical hit damage. So it's very critical hit focused. It is niche as well, but there are some Pokemon that can just absolutely abuse Scope Lens. And I think it is in the same conversation as it's it just a matter of it, it just fits in different scenarios. I think it's right next to, right next to Razor Claw and B tier. Oh, I, I don't agree with that. I think that it's A tier, maybe even S tier, but I, I'm settling on A okay. because there's a wide swath of Pokemon that can't use it, but like it's S tier potential. The thing is, it's like a staple item uh, in so many of the attack damage carries. Like the in any Pokemon that's using their basic attacks are basically playing for crits. So like if there's a Pokemon that's doing that, like, you know, Cinderace or uh, Absol or any of those guys, they're almost always running Scope Lens, which to me is different from Razor Claw, where like only melees can get the benefit of it. Ranged uh, attackers can too, Decidueye, if they're running like the Razor Leaf build. So to me, that's got to push it into A tier. I'm okay with that. I will push it up into A tier. I think you've persuaded me. I, I think that's a I think that's a good place for it. And I, you've made a good case. So the next one we're going to do is uh, – let's do Energy Amplifier. So Energy Amp is uh, one of my favorites right Me now. Me too. I think this is the big – one of the other big winners of the uh, of the nerf to Buddy Barrier, weirdly enough, um, in that there are a lot of Pokemon in this game that have low – uh, recharge rates on their Unite moves and before they play Buddy Barrier so that they could constantly defend their allies, constantly get out of trouble with that overshield and with Buddy Barrier being not garbage and I I think we're going to do Buddy Barrier last because I think that's the most interesting um, but with Buddy Barrier not garbage like they need something to push them over the edge and to utilize what is a great element of their kit which is the fast recharge of their ult so energy amp is at least a tier. And I think the only reason similar to scope lens that it's not S tier is because of the limited pool of Pokemon that it, it is accessible for. But for those that, um, that can use it, Blastoise and Pikachu. And even though Azumarill's not meta, like Azumarill loves this item. 
Um, they really get a lot out of it. Energy amplifier, I forgot to say what it does. Um, after it unites, uh, the damage it deals is increased by 7% for the next four seconds. And uh, it reduces the amount of time that the Unite move recharges. So you get them even faster. And then, of course, after using your Unite move, all the moves you start doing that deal damage do 7% more flat across the board. It's awesome. It is. It's an awesome item. I think Energy Amplifier uh, is almost build-defining in some cases. Yes. Um, it, it doesn't, doesn't, it's not applicable across the board where it's, it's a fir- maybe like a first item, but it is absolutely probably fitting in that second slot if, if, if it's a character that fits. Um, and it can absolutely win you games and win yeah. you fights, especially important fights like, like, a, like a Zap fight. I think Energy Amp goes into that A tier. I agree. I, I, I love Energy Amp. I think A tier is perfect for it. Perfect. Um, next one to go with, let's go with attack weight. I think attack weight is a really interesting item. Um, attack weight says it's one that kind of, kind of builds over time. It says when the Pokemon scores a goal, it's attack increases by 12. Um, and it gives you a base buff to your attack as well. So attack weight, uh, often seen on top laners who pretty much do a handshake. They just run by each other and just start scoring and kind of building up that attack stat was commonly used with score, score shield to be able to kind of guarantee that they were going to get those, um, attack dunks in in case someone tried to stop them or let's say an early jungle clear comes top lane uh, and tries to to stop uh, that that attacker from kind of building that up uh, you can stack it up to six times so attack weight you can score six times and it'll con- can continue to increase your your attack stat and it stays for the rest of the game so it's definitely it can, max, one of the- it can max out at plus 54 attack which is more than any other uh, item will boost your attack individually it is it is on a fully stacked high attack character. It is brutal. It's, it's very twice use- as much as anything else boosts your static attack stat. So it's crazy. <laughs> it's brutal and it's great. And I think attack weight also falls into the A tier. Totally agree. A tier for sure. Um, and again, you know, in more and more Pokemon are using it. Um, some of the junglers are coming out of the jungle and hell, if they stack three times throughout the course of the game, it's still a ton of damage. Uh, so yeah, especially the competitive scene attack weights are being used a lot. You're going to see them a lot. So it's a tier, uh, for now, but I could see it sneaking up into S tier if it gets any, uh, more utility, uh, gets any more usefulness. Um, let's keep it on the stacking train and let's go special attack specs so special attack specs are just the mirror version of um uh, of attack weight in that they work for special attack and they actually have slightly higher base uh special attack and they scale harder so instead of uh, 18 attack that's plus 24 special attack for the base and then instead of scaling six for every stack up to six it's eight for every stack up to six. So it has the potential of doing so much, but special but, attackers do not like to run up and dunk. No, they're and typically they're, a bit more squishy. And there are a few key examples that are making a ton of use out of special attack specs. Blastoise especially is one of the, uh, not only a uh, very strong Pokemon in this current environment, used often, but can make a lot of use because he's a defender and goes off special attack uh, for his rapid spinning and his uh, his water spouting. Um, special attack specs looks great on him. Um, it's just going to be a factor of, for most Pokemon, special attack specs are a greedy item 
and probably a little bit better in pub stomp, you know, solo play than in competitive where it's going to be a little bit harder to push up onto a goal and not get caught out. So I put it in B tier. It's still good. It's just not as accessible as attack weight in my mind. Yeah, I could I could see between B tier and C tier. So I'll, I'll go ahead and jump with you into the B tier. Yeah, I think just purely the how great it can be in certain situations and on, on certain Pokemon pushes it into B tier out of C tier, but it's probably low B. Um, let's do the last stacking item, which is Aos Cookie. I I'll just be honest. This is the one that is always been the least good it has the ability to increase your max hp by 100 for every goal up to six with a flat 240 so it can cap out at 840 total hp but since it doesn't also buff your defensive stats that hp ends up getting blown back because you don't have as much damage reduction from other defensive items to me i put this c tier i've seen it once or twice in competitive play but I don't think there's any Pokemon that wants to play this over another defensive item. I agree. I, I, just, I just don't think there's enough applicability to it right now. Uh, I really like, I want to like it. I just don't think we, we have the have the visibility to it in the competitive meta right now. Yeah. Um, let's go with Rocky Helmet. Rocky Helmet, I think this is an easy short conversation one. Yeah, yep. Rocky Helmet just doesn't do enough. Um, it's supposed to do increased amounts of damage when you when you take damage and a fight equal to a percentage of your max HP um, to the opposing Pokemon's max HP, but it just, it doesn't do enough where some of the other damage, um, other damage items do in a fight. Um, and you're not always up in their face. So I think Rocky well, and it has Helmet, a cooldown on it. So like the that first too. thing that they do, it's not like it's, it's, it doesn't work the way you think it's going to work. Um, so because of that, if they, if they made some changes to Rocky helmet, where it's like, anytime you take damage, they do a percentage back. Holy crap. It'd be good, but it's not, doesn't work that way. So it's right. just straight up D tier. One of yeah, the worst. D tier. Uh, shell bell. This is one that I know, uh, we want to love and we, Gibby and I, even at one point, Gibby, you played it pretty often because we thought it did what it said it did, but it doesn't do what it says it does. Uh, Shell Bell, you think, is going to heal you uh, anytime you use one of your moves uh, to deal damage. But in fact, it's only the first time, and then it goes on cooldown. And by the way, if you start out the fight using a, a move like Solar Beam while you're still full HP, it'll try to heal you and then go on cooldown. You need it to be healing you halfway through the fight when you're throwing right. your moves, you, but it's you still on need, cooldown. <laughs> and you can't always wait for Shell Bell to come up to use a move. So I, I think Shell Bell is, is properly in D tier right now. D tier. And I hate to say that. So, yep. uh, Gibby, you're up. Uh, we got two left. I guess it makes it Muscle Band. What do you think about Muscle Band? Muscle Band is bonkers. It, it just, it, there's no way around it. Muscle Band is, is absolutely S tier. Uh, when a basic attack hits, the damage is increased by a certain percentage of the opposing Pokemon's remaining HP. It buffs your attack. It buffs your attack speed. Um, anything that wants to do a bunch of basic attacks uh, and get in someone's face, um, a lot of our regular attackers, even if you are a special attacker, but you do yep. want to do a little bit uh, of extra boosted or extra attacks, it's it does a lot. So I think it's absolutely S tier. What makes it so good in and of itself is that it gets those Pokemon with great boosted attacks. It gets them closer to those boosted attacks faster with the extra attack speed while still doing a little bit more to those Pokemon that have that uh, high HP. So you can have a Pokemon like a Wigglytuff, which I love Muscle Band, a Wigglytuff. Um, even though it scales on special attack, its basic attacks are going to do chunks 
to its uh, to its opponent based on their uh, remaining HP. And then it's also going to get to its boosted attacks, which do a huge chunk that scales off special and mini stuns. So like Pokemon like Mamoswine that freezes off its basic and Pokemon like Wiggly that does the mini stun, they all love it. And Venusaur, like I demonstrated earlier, because it gets you to that boosted attack faster and still has utility um, with the extra bonus damage. So Muscle Band is clear S tier, which leaves us with Buddy Barrier. So Buddy Barrier did get nerfed. No longer can you stack Buddy Barrier uh, shields on Pokemon. Um, the amount it shields is lower. Its passive uh, HP is lower. And yet it is still useful. A tier all the way. It's an A tier, baby. The reality is, is that you don't run five buddy barriers on your team like you used to, but you still run two or three. Your supports still rock them. Your tanks sometimes still rock them. Your all-arounders, in many ways, Pokemon that like have roaming alts like Charizard, need them. So, buddy barrier is still very much viable and A tier. And that is our item tier list. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And next, we're going to be moving on to Captain Clash. Wow! I got a lot of people to disappoint. Alrighty, so for Captain's Clash today, uh, you guys may recall this being the uh, segment we did in the very first episode, and we loved it so much we're doing it again. Uh, Gibby and I have been staunch advocates for a draft format for competitive Pokemon Unite, and so in order to continue pushing forward uh, with the best intentions, we're going to just be doing samples of how that might look if we were facing off against each other as the captains in charge of drafting their teams. Um, so we're going to do a pretty simple format, you know, with there being, uh, you know, 30 plus Pokemon in the game at this point. Uh, there's plenty of options, plenty of options to pick from. So the way we're going to do it is we're going to each ban two Pokemon and then pick five, and then we're going to pitch to each other and you guys what our strategy is, how we're going to be setting up our lanes, any important items, the general strategy, and then we're leaving it up to you to decide who would be the winner, and we will put up a poll in our Discord. We'll put up a poll on the Spotify that you can respond to, and you guys will be able to see uh, who who gets the glory. And I'm pretty sure the last time was a dead even tie in our poll. Pretty so, much, I think you might have edged it out slightly. Uh, just from some of the the commentary, I don't know, not necessarily just strictly by the votes on the polls, but the commentary seemed to seemed to agree. I think that your team was uh, in, a, in a best of three series or in multiple games. I might my team might have stolen one, but I think yours was built a little bit more to last. So, as I look at it, it's it's one zero you in 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 our captains clash series, and uh, I'm, I'm coming back with a vengeance. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to take this one. Okay, I was willing to call it a tie because that's what the poll said. But I'll take a W, so uh, let's try to make it uh, 2-0. and o. So what we're going to do here first is we're going to roll the dice uh, because that's how we decide things. Um, this is our obligatory shout-out to our Almost Legends podcast where we do uh, a, a RPG uh, live plays. But uh, we're going to roll our D20s and see who gets to go first. 13. Lucky number seven. Okay, so I not so to... lucky this time. <laughs> lucky, lucky, lucky enough for me. All right, so I get to go first, and I would be actually yes, and that's different because I went first last time. So and I don't, I didn't think about, out. I didn't think about this. Uh, well, the good news is you have the first ban. So okay, you the... can think about that. That's first, maybe a little easier. First ban. I'm going to ban Blastoise. 
Okay, wow, Blastoise. This has been one of our top uh, Pokemon in our uh, team comps and practices. So Gibby's getting it out of the way right now. I don't want uh, Blastoise banned. Okay. Um, so I am going to similarly uh, ban something we've been playing a lot of, and that's going to be Hoopa. Yeah, I had a feeling. I was Hoopa's like, going to get banned. I was like, Damn it, you're going to walk to your goals. I was like, <laughs> I was like maybe, maybe I could save not banning her first, and if he doesn't choose to ban her, maybe, maybe I'll leave it, and I'll get the first pick, and I'll take, take Hoopa. But no, that's a smart ban. I, don't, I wouldn't want to see, see that. And actually... So you get band number two now. I'm going to get rid of this now. No, no, I'm not. Um, I am going to ban Lucario. Lucario is banned. I think we banned him last time, too. <laughs> he deserves to be banned just out of pure principle. That's that's right. Just uh, He's just been around for too long. And I am going to ban uh, Greedent. Okay. Ban Greedent. Yeah. All right. My plan, it's coming together. Oh, yeah? Tell All right. About it. So first pick for me, now that we're done with our bands and it is back yeah. to me, yeah, the first pick of our five draft. Uh, ooh, I need to shift, shift these down. I put them in the wrong slots on my screen. Uh, I am going to pick with my first pick, Blissey. Yeah. I was like, if he lets this go, we're, we're starting off strong. I, I thought, I was like, I probably shouldn't let this through. But on the flip side, I was also like, but but Greedent just makes me mad. <laughs> and, and, and that's, I feel, I feel like both of our second bands were. That was just a. They were, a, emo- they were emotional. emotional. <laughs> they were emotional bands. That's for certain. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, you know, I probably should have banned it, but that's okay. Because I feel like you probably would have picked Greedent if I didn't. And I would have. I, uh, it was not on my list, truthfully. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Fair enough. So let's see. This is hard because I don't like it having to pick two in a row. <laughs> uh, that always makes me uncomfortable. Um, okay, so I'm going to pick uh, Sylveon, and I'm going to pick Slowbro. A little bit of split jungle action I, I see coming down coming down the line. All right, we're gonna we're gonna definitely get some pink boys up in here. An entire pink team. Got pink it. Squad. I'll leave Wigglytuff and Espeon in, in mind for you, so you can have a thank whole, you, full, thank you, full, fully pink units, pink, pink patrol. Ladies. Yeah, right. um, I think so. The next, so I have two picks back to back, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I think with my next two picks, deciding between two of them, I think I'm going to go with Trevenant. Mmm. Very nice. I want that. I want that that thick boy up top. And I'm going to go back down to my bot lane, and I'm going to take... Just telling me where you're laning. I appreciate that. Thank you. Eldegoss. <laughs> Eldegoss. Oh, LD gets to see some play. Very nice. So you're, you've got very, very tanky, very tanky people. Tanky boys. That's right. Everybody's going to stay alive. That's the goal. I like that. That's a good... Uh, you know, it's crazy, though, if you think about it, right? Like... Like, uh, this is why they need more supports in the game. Because three have either been picked or banned already, which only leaves two. You and know what I mean? Like, right. that's that's wild, right? It's yeah. That just shows you this the split. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's see. I'm going to pick up Aegislash. Man, it was on my list. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah. None of these. None of these are jazzing me. 
Um, can't do that. Oh, you can. Yeah, whatever it is. It whatever just, it is, I, you can. Like Wiggly, Wiggly is just so is so bad into Blissey, and it bums me out because it's like one of my favorites. And I and I and I, I kind of another... know knew you wanted a Wiggly with it being on the board. Yeah, you know, I probably should have just banned uh, Blissey so I could play Wiggly. <laughs> that would have worked. Yeah, I've just got. I've actually just got like weirdly flexible lanes, and I don't want to give you any knowledge. This is true. Yeah, it's like you could do kind of whatever you wanted here. Yeah. We're going to grab, um, I'm going to grab Wigglytuff. I don't necessarily see what you're doing yet, but we'll we'll find out. All right, so is it is it back to two picks to you, or is it is it to me? Uh, no, it's two picks to you. Uh, that's your last two picks, and then I get uh, the final pick. Okay. I think with my last two picks, I think I'm going to go with Talonflame. And I'm going to go with my last pick. Oh, that's kind of greedy. Oh, do I get greedy? Do I get do I get greedy? I'm going to get greedy. My last pick is going to be Dragonite. Dragonite. Got it. Okay. So, uh your team is Blissey, Trevenant, Eldegoss, Talonflame, Dragonite. Okay. We've got very good objective secure right now. Very good objective secure. Good amount of like decent decent dive. Decent dive. So I'm looking at this and saying like Blissey, LD, Trev, they they can't really get to my back line. Trev can like horn leech in, but typically you, you don't like it it's not like that great of an engage. Nope. Talon flames the engage, Dragonite's backing it, and you're just hoping that everything lives for forever. And it will. Yeah, things are gonna live. For a while, yeah. Um, <laughs> until I kill them. Until you kill them, that's right. Uh, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to last pick Decidueye. Okay, so now that we've got our team's pick, we've got our band's pick, let me run down the list real quick one more time of, of how this transpired and what we've currently got showing on our lists. So um, we, we banned each two. Uh, band was Hoopa, Greedent, Blastoise and Lucario and then my team I'll go through my team first and I'll kind of talk about my lanes my strategy what my thought process was while I was drafting it and uh, how I think it would perform so my team is Blissey Trevenant Eldegoss Talonflame and Dragonite so off the bat you can see that I started with my core of who I wanted to keep alive and I needed something that's going to last in lane we're in a little bit of a meta that in, in the early to mid game, you need to be able to last in lanes, especially with no ability to really send people home with that nice hyperspace hole hoopa. You need to be able to last in a fight. Uh, you can't flip objectives. You can't take farm if you can't uh, compete uh, with, with, a, with a pretty solid life total. Uh, I actually got to play in our practice last night some Blissey, and um, it was... Probably one of the first competitive sessions I've had playing as Blissey, and I kind of see, even in the early game, how good Blissey is with, with Pound. It's just such a good early game ability. And even Eldegoss has uh, some decent secure with, with Leaf Tornado, um, which is another reason I chose Eldegoss is, I mean, so we've got Trevenant, who's going to be our top laner uh, by himself up there. He's got a decent amount of, uh, of secure, Oh, with some of his improved early game, but he's also just so tanky now. After the recent patch buffs, Trevenant can live forever, and as long as he doesn't get behind, 
uh, he is going to be a menace to deal with. In our bot lane, we would have Blissey, Eldegoss, and Dragon Knight. Now, Blissey and Eldegoss are going to be able to keep themselves alive, and they're not necessarily really a concern because they're going to heal. They've got decent health pools. I mean, they're, they're supports by nature. Dragon Knight is probably the greedy pick here because Dragon Knight needs, especially in... Uh, in lane, you typically see Dragonite in in jungle, and maybe there's the the opportunity for a jungle rotation after um, for versus uh, after the first round of, of of jungle clear with the the talent flame. But after the the first jungle clear, if if I feel like the Dragonite is already doing it in a good place, I'll keep it in lane. It, it just needs a little bit of help to get to those upper levels. Dragonite is a very great very great character. It's got a great objective secure. Um, does well in lane as long as it doesn't get behind. You have to be able to get out of that first stage and get to Dragonair and eventually get to Dragon Knight on time. Great mobility with the Unite move, like I said, secure. And I would plan to run an Outrage build here with Dragonite uh, to be able to get in, Blissey be able to back him up with a safeguard and just go to town. That's something that you and I experimented with originally really early on when, when Dragonite came out was just pocket healing Dragon Knight with Blissey and during that Outrage build and stacking some damage items on it and just going to town. Uh, Talonflame being the super mobile, high damage dealer that it is, is a great way to not only engage, get some of the backline, would pick off the, uh, the, uh, the Decidueye and in certain cases as well be able to pick off the, um, the Aegislash, but can also get itself out or also have great objective secure with its alt. <laughs> so... Uh, are are you done? Is it my turn? It's your turn to tell me how your team would lose. Go ahead. So here's how my team would win. I quickly identified that uh, I likely wasn't going to... I didn't want to pick Eldegoss. Because here's the thing. I think Eldegoss is like too easy to like pick off and clear out. Right? If like if you see Eldegoss... Like, I've been playing a lot of it. And it it feels really like low impact right now, just with like the especially a lot of like stacking builds and stuff that are um, just doing huge chunks of damage. Now, granted, this is a picking format, so it's like not everybody's going to be playing the current meta. So Eldegoss is probably a little bit better. But the thing is, is that I I didn't want to pick Eldegoss because I I had this idea of what if all of my Pokemon are like or all, as many of them as possible are entirely self sufficient. So you have Sylveon with self-heals and damage reduction. You have Slowbro with damage reduction. You have uh, healing from Aegislash's shield form. Uh, Wiggly is just big and fat and has a great ultimate that uh, is going to use Buddy Barrier and and cleanse um, any sorts of slows or stuns or anything like that, which really, against your team, you don't have a lot of stuns. You don't even really have much in the way of, like, uh cc outside of the pushing from uh trevenant and his ult so it's like wiggly's ult can be really really uh useful because you can just kind of wait for the trevenant ult and then cleanse it off of everybody um which is kind of uh leading into my point about wiggly as much as i uh am knowing that sing isn't going to do much um like against blissey explicitly I have a lot of other Pokemon that want to actually, uh, uh, like, Aegislash wants to be able to jump in and, like, stun and slow and, and do all of his slashing and all that. If you've already blown Safeguard in order to stop from the Sing onto 
I and even in a team fight, it's only going to stop it off of Blissey and one other, which hopefully means we can isolate one person uh, and collapse on them with Sylveon, Aegislash, and Decidueye. So Decidueye is going to start in the jungle, uh, and uh, we're going to run Aegislash top because I I don't hate Aegislash directly into uh, Trevenant. Even if Trev gets a couple early kills, the gank is going to come top. Uh, and we're going to just focus on getting some stacks on Aegislash early. Um, and uh, we can get him caught up later because our bot lane of Sylveon, Slowbro, and Wiggly is, I, I think, just as potent, if not maybe a little bit more, uh, than yours is. Um, because yours just doesn't quite have as much early firepower as, as mine does because all of them evolve at four. All of them have great offensive moves. Uh, and there's a lot of stun and slow uh, between them as well so the only thing that i feel like your team does better at is objective secure which is why i picked decidueye uh in order to get some snipes as well as the ult to hopefully um pick off objectives that you might otherwise uh be able to secure first and decidueye's weakness to the town flame is definitely pronounced but my thought process here is that your town flame is the only thing especially if you're on outrage that can actually jump the back line Everything else is going to have to basically walk up to it. So if your Talonflame really does come back and catch the Decidueye, our entire team collapses on it and kills your one of your only damage dealers. So that's my pitch for how I'm going to beat your squad. You guys, let us know what you think. Uh, you can vote Team DBN or Team Gibby to determine whose squad you think is going to win. Once again, my squad was Sylveon, Slowbro, Aegislash, Wigglytuff, and Decidueye. And Gibby, one more time for the audience. Blissey, Trevenant, Eldegoss, Talonflame, and Dragonite. Yeah, let us know, guys. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I love drafting. Honestly, I could do it like three more times and and just and just love it. Um, Gibby, maybe we we do that for fun sometime. Just do some drafts against each other, and then maybe we can get some people to play them out. That would be really fun. That would be hilarious, and I would love that. Uh, but anyways, guys, that's uh, that's gonna wrap it up for Captain Clash. We'll probably do this again in another month. And uh, yeah, let us know. Do you think we should keep the current format? Do you think we should add more bands? Uh, get deeper into the uh, the hero pool. You know, let us know what you think. And uh, we're definitely gonna be doing this one again because it's just it's so satisfying. Yeah, and on, on, on that note, let's go ahead and start working on out of here. First of all, we want to thank you, thank all of our Patreon subscribers that we currently have for Camp Legend. We appreciate all of you. If you do have a, a, a want to support us on our shows, this all this content happens because we have the, of the great support that we receive um, from from people like you and listeners like you. Uh, if you're not already a part of it, come join us uh, at Camp Legend on Discord. Uh, second thing is we are excitedly for the first time uh, as as three uh, three podcast hosts, uh, the lift being Mark, DBN, Ian, and I. Uh, we are going to be meeting up in Pittsburgh. We're going to be meeting up uh, oh, yeah. for uh, for uh, for a fantastic um, Camp Legends meetup. So this is going to be happening on Saturday, June twenty fifth at seven p.m. Eastern at Southern Tier Brewery in Pittsburgh. If you'd like to join us, we would love to have you. We'll buy you a beer. We'll play some Pokemon Unite. We'll play some Leg- some uh, Legends of Runeterra, whatever you got. Um, but we would love to see all of your faces. This is something that we we would want to do more often, but unfortunately can't. So we got to take advantage of it while we actually have the time to meet up together. 
Oh, yeah. It's going to be a blast, guys. So hopefully you can make it out. Uh, and even if you're a new listener, if you're in the uh, general vicinity of Pittsburgh, come out, say hi. You know, we'll buy you a beer. It'll be a great time. We'll have board games and stuff. It's it's awesome. We've already got a space uh, like uh, reserved uh, for some people, and and the brewery is going to set aside some tables for us and everything, so we can really just game and relax and get to meet each other IRL because that's always cooler, right? Always cooler. All right, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Have fun. Show up to Zap, ban Lucario, and don't forget to ping your lanes. 